All right, well, as uh, Brian mentioned, next Sunday morning, uh, we will have a, uh, a Thanksgiving testimony service, which means that at that service, we are going to really open up the floor and give you all many opportunities to give thanks to the Lord publicly uh, for the things in which you are, are thankful for. It's really one of the advantages of, of being in a small church is that we can give opportunities to really a, a large portion of our congregation, and really anyone who feels the need to want to to express thanks to God publicly in front of a a bigger crowd of people, that we have an opportunity for that. Um, You know, it's something you can't do in a large church, and we ought to be thankful for for that. Now, don't get me wrong, there's lots of things you can do in a a large church, lots of people, uh, many resources mobilized towards ministry, multiple staff, but there are some disadvantages and some of the disadvantages are uh, a, uh, a service like we're going to have uh, next Sunday morning uh, to give testimony of thanks. And so in light of that, um, I want to spend some time this morning in, in thinking and really preparing you for testimonies that you might, might give. Because there are, are good testimonies and quite frankly, sometimes there are bad testimonies, if you know what I mean. Um, And I just want to help foster us giving good testimonies. I remember um, I remember probably a decade ago, maybe 15 years ago when we did this, a similar sort of thing, um, is that we had a visitor come to church who was a Christian and and uh, it went to a bigger church and, and he came to our church and heard the testimonies of people, the, the depth of their heart and love for God, their focus on the scripture how things were genuine, and it really made an impact upon him. He came to me later and said, that was amazing, just in light of the, the testimony of, of thanks that were, were given to the Lord. And, and that's what, what I, I'm trying to do. Not, not that we're trying to perform for some guest coming in next Sunday, okay? but that we are, are just speaking truth and testimony and thankfulness that our, our hearts would, uh, would just exude a, um, a, a desire for the Lord. That's what really my, my heart is. And so to help prompt you and us for next week, I'd like to look at Psalm 111. So I, I haven't turned there yet. You can turn there with me, Psalm 111. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, there's a Bible in one of the chairs in front of you, page 509. really encourage you to open up and follow along because we'll just walk through uh, the Psalm together. My observations are going to come here and it would be helpful for you. I want to read this Psalm The psalmist says, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The the Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just, and all his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. 
it's appropriate off of Proverbs, as we're taking a break from Proverbs, to, to come here in verse 10. You've probably heard of that before, right? The fear of the Lord is the, the beginning of wisdom. But this isn't necessarily a wisdom psalm. This is a praise psalm. It, it starts in verse 1 where the psalmist writes, praise the Lord. In Hebrew, that is, Alleluia. It's how we start Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. In Hebrew, that is, Alleluia. It's the same, same way in, in, in Psalm 113. It's praise the Lord. In Hebrew, that is, Alleluia. And um, Psalm 113 ends with Alleluia, praise the Lord. Psalm 111 ends with His praise endures forever. And praising the Lord, the idea of praising the Lord really governs this entire psalm. All ten verses of this psalm focus upon reasons why it is that we should praise the Lord. But what's interesting, you can't really see this in the English text, but in the Hebrew text, there are 22 lines. Ten verses, 22 lines, which correspond with what? Does anyone know? 22 lines, 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, each line begins with a different letter of the alphabet, starting from Aleph, and then Beit, and Gimel, and Dalit, and Hey, Vav, Zion, Het, Tet, Yod, and all the way, Samak, Ayin, Pei, Sadi, Kof, Reishim, Tav. Those are all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Just, just traces through all of them. To give you an idea, in the English, it would be like this. Psalm 111, verse 1, after Alleluia. A, all my heart will give thanks to the Lord. The second line, B, before the company of the upright in the congregation. C, verse 2. Countless are the works of the Lord. D. Diligently studied by all who delight in them. E. Verse 3. Ever full with splendor and majesty is his work. F. Forever will his righteousness endure. Verse 4. G. God has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. H. He is gracious and merciful. Verse 5. I. In love, he gives food for those who fear him. J, just as he remembers his covenant forever. And I could have gone on, but I didn't. I was kind of scared of the cue at, at some point. Um, but these are the 20. That's, that's how it would read. It's a feel of the psalm. It goes through the entire Hebrew alphabet, which is one of the few things that we miss as we translate from, from Hebrew into English. But the significance of this is that it's written with intent in that way, intent to memorize, if you will. Because after every line, when you finish your A, there's, there's a prompt for a, a B. And the, you finish your B line, there's a prompt for your C. And it, and it helps in the recitation of Psalm 111. And I am, I am sure that many Jewish boys and girls use those A, B, C, Ds and, and all the way down just to, just to respond and to memorize this psalm. It perhaps it became a most familiar to them, very precious and helpful to them. It's a, it's a good psalm. Maybe it isn't so familiar with us. I know for me it wasn't so familiar until this week. But nevertheless, it's a good psalm for us to think about a, a time of testimony in next week's service because you can just look at the, the first line. I mean, look there in, in verse 1. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. And there it is. The psalmist says that he will stand publicly in the hearing of all and will will give thanks to the Lord. Publicly giving thanks. It sounds exactly like what we're planning to do next Sunday. Giving thanks to the Lord 
in the public assembly. We're going to give you an opportunity to do what the psalmist says. He's going to give thanks to the whole congregation. And this morning, I want to really think through what it is that helps with a, a good testimony. What gives a good testimony? Psalm verse, verse 1, we see it even, even right there. My first point is this, is a heartfelt testimony. Heartfelt um, you see that I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. That is the testimony is coming right, from a from a full heart, from a whole heart, from a, a heart that is that is completely devoted to what he is saying. And, and obviously, this is what God always calls us to do. When Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, right? What is it to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. There's, there's the, the full heart. God wants us to, to love Him completely. Wholehearted obedience. This, this is God's commandment to the people of Israel. And, and you think about Israel. Like many ways, they said the right things. But there were times when, they're, they're, as much as their words were orthodox, that's really all it was. Because when people just say the right things but don't have a heart... It falls flat on God's ears. Remember Jesus, when dealing with the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, said this, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That was condemnation to the Pharisees, condemnation to Israel. And it can be a condemnation to us as well. If we think that God only wants us to hear our words of praise to him or our thanks to him, like like you've seen it when a, a child is given some sort of present and and asked to say thanks to whoever gave it to them, and they're just kind of regret. Oh, thanks! You just see, it's not it's not wholehearted. When the psalmist here said when he was going to give thanks, he wanted to give thanks with a a whole heart. And people can often see if you're not giving thanks with your whole heart. Um, but there are some times when a testimony comes with a, a whole heart. I think about when a testimony comes with tears. You ever seen a testimony with tears before? I'm uh, I'm I'm not talking about fake tears. I'm talking about genuine tears of happy gratitude. And so next Sunday, you you don't have to cry. Okay, I'm not I'm not asking you to cry. Um, but tears have a demonstration of a of a heartfelt thankfulness testimony. And, and I think about the history of Rock Valley Bible Church. There have been a few times I've cried here in the pulpit. Um, I remember uh, one time that comes to mind. The Molders, you brought it up recently. One of your first Sundays at, at Rock Valley Bible Church. Uh, Gordy Bell is an elder at, at our church, first elder at our church. He lives in Oregon, Illinois to this day and was just traveling. It was just too far for him. He's getting older and he just says, I need to, I need to go to church closer by. And so he stepped down and... And I just, I was thankful for the man to this day, thick and thin. He supported me through difficult times at church. Um, when he'd come to our church, he wasn't looking to stick his head out and to be beaten on by some people who, who were very disgruntled at, at some things. But he put himself in a difficult situation. And, and I, I would say this, if he had not done so, I'm not sure Rock Valley Bible Church would have survived. Um, but he did so, and... Um, and I was thankful for him. And so the day came to announce his resignation, his, his leaving, um, um, because I needed to go to a different place. And if, if, if you were there on Sunday, you could remember how I barely could speak because of my emotions. 
It must have been weird for you guys. You guys hardly knew Gordy or, or whatever. But for me, the depth of my relationship with this man who I loved dearly was just hard. Um, and my tears were not manifested. I, I didn't have in my notes the words I was going to say. It says big cry here. I didn't say that at all. Um, but they were they were deep. And, and just, you see, it's a heartfelt testimony. Uh, I, I remember another time when I gave a testimony with tears. It was Father's Day. I was giving a, a Father's Day message. And uh, I read from this book. And uh, even reviewing it this week brought tears to my eyes of the, the story. It was Father's Day, and and uh, my father was, was in the pew. He was sitting, who knows, right, like right where Ryan was. And um, I told the story, and if I would tell it again, I'm sure I'd cry right now. Uh, it's a story about John Patton going to ministry, going off to seminary, and um, his dad, who was just a faithful servant of the Lord, um, who he had high commendation for, walked with him for the six, first six miles along the way. And, and along the way, there weren't a lot of words exchanged. But when they embraced one last time, um, his father said to John, he said, God bless you, my son. Your father's God prosper you and keep you from all evil. And they embraced, and John Patton writes, and I'm just summarizing, because if I read it, I'm going to cry, but... But I know that summarizing, he just, he, he ran off as far as he could. And then he, when he turned around a corner, it speaks about how he sobbed uncontrollably. Just in thankfulness, he'd be given a dad like that. And then after a few minutes, he climbed what he called a dike. I'm not sure, maybe some kind of hill. And, and looked up, and he saw that his dad back there, though he watched him run off, his dad had climbed up as well, just looking for any last glimpse of his son. And... Uh, Patton writes, I got it here in my notes, he says, It is no Phariseeism, but deep gratitude which makes me here testify that the memory of that scene not only helped, but by God's grace to keep me pure from the prevailing sins, but also stimulated me in all my studies that I might not fall short of his hopes and in all my Christian duties that I might faithfully follow his shining example. And as I, I read that story, I remember from John Patton's book, I could barely get through it because that's my experience with my dad. I just, I, I think the world of him, I'm very thankful for God, that God would give me such a, a dad in my life and a grandfather for my, my children who they love and adore. And my hope is to faithfully follow his shining example. And it's, I, I, it's difficult reading that for me. And those are those are like testimonies of, of thanksgiving that just kind of show a, a genuineness, a, just a heartfelt response. And so if you're thinking about giving a testimony this Sunday, but are apprehensive because you think it might bring you to tears, um, like that's the best sort of testimony you can have when it's a, a heartfelt testimony. Don't be apprehensive because your, your tears, if they're genuine, will come from a a genuine heart before the Lord, and it will probably be good and edifying. Just as the psalmist says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. It means you're, you're into your thanksgiving testimony, really believing and trusting in the Lord for, for those sorts of things. Now, I'm not telling you to cry next Sunday, okay? You're going to miss it, right? You don't need big crocodile tears in your testimony. We, we don't want false feeling because that'd be just like... like God said, though you multiply your prayers, God says in Isaiah 1, cast them away, I'm a burden to me. 
But if they're genuine, they can be an expression of just a heartfelt testimony before the Lord. Well, let's continue on. A good testimony is not only heartfelt, but it's also God-centered. And I get that from verses 2 through 10. Um, really is the, the rest of, of the psalm. It is God-centered because this whole psalm is really about the works of the Lord. Um, in fact, look how many times the, the word works appears. Look at verse 2. It says, great are the works of the Lord. Look at verse 3. Full of splendor and majesty is his work. Verse 4. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. Verse 6. He has shown his people the power of his works. Verse 7. The works of his hands are faithful and just. Five times in this psalm, we we see the works of the Lord being mentioned. And, And if you're writing your Bible, I really encourage you to do so. And this is a disadvantage of an electronic text. You just can't see it. It's not the same place on the page. If you would just underline the word works all five times, then, then what it means is then the, the next time you, you come to your Bible to read it, you'll just see the theme of it just come popping out because you'll see works, 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 works. Because it's what it's about. It's about the Lord. It's about what he has done. It, it's all his works. The ESV gets it exactly right. Great are the Lord's works. And so thinking about next week, the testimonies that we give, I would encourage you to really filter it through this this grid, if you will, uh, of being God-centered. Really think about what are you thankful for and be thankful for things that are centered on the Lord. It will help your testimony, right? When you think about the ways in which the Lord has worked in your life or, or ways that you see the Lord work. And then tell everyone how great the Lord is. And just think about a, a difference between a God-centered testimony and a man-centered testimony. And they're so different. I mean, think about um, the story Jesus told of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Maybe you remember that story. Um, Luke 18 is where it's recorded. Let me read it for you. Jesus said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and one a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. Now, this is a Thanksgiving testimony. Watch. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And of course, that tells the reality of the, great, the greatness of the Gospels, that God isn't interested in righteous people parading their religion for all to see, how they pay tithes and how they keep from evil. That's not what catches the eye of God. What catches the eye of God is the humble person who acknowledges his sin and his brokenness and cries out to God for mercy. That's the one that God catches with his eye. And the good news is this, is that God justifies the sinner who just beats his breast and cries for mercy at the cross of Christ, trusting in Jesus. That's the gospel. In fact, that's why Jesus told the parable. It says he told this parable, those who trusted themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He said, don't don't think of yourself as righteous and, and hold yourself up and push everybody else down. You won't go home justified. But the humble one is the one who comes home justified. That's the main point. But there's some things to teach us about testimonies. 
Something to teach us in, in this prayer about a God-centered testimony. Because, think about this Pharisee. He was thanking God for what God had done in his life. It was a testimony of thanks to God for the great works that God had worked in his life. Like <coughs> not being made an extortioner. Being freed from being an extortioner, unjust, or adulterer, even like this tax collector. And if this Pharisee is thanking God, that means in some ways he thinks that God has a role and an impact upon who he is and what what he did. And I think he's exactly right. And it ought to thank God for those things. He's saying that God is the one who protected him. Protected him from adultery like we looked at last week. Protected him from being unjust. Helped him be trained, right? Placed him in this family under God's word. And yet, sadly, this testimony falls, falls flat. This testimony of thanks falls flat because it's not God-centered. It uses God language. But ultimately, it's about the Pharisee himself. It's about his righteousness. Look at who I am. And he betrays that when he says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Oh, look at how good I am. Which really thrusts in, into that other part of, of what he said. And Jesus tells us where that leads. It leads to condemnation because the, the Pharisee didn't leave the temple justified. It was the sinner who couldn't even look up but just beat his breast, crying out for mercy. That was the one who left justified. And so as you think about a testimony of thanks you might give next week, I encourage you to think about a God-given, a God-centered testimony one that focuses not on yourself, but upon the Lord, about, upon what, what He has done. And I encourage you, really, really think about that this week. Really, really think through what, what sort of things you're, you're thankful for. Because really, that's, that's what the, the psalmist urges. He, he urges in verse 2 for us to think. Look what he says, Great are the works of the Lord, they're studied by all who delight in them. Now, I know for some people, studied is a, a bad word. And I know for some of you, you don't like books so much. Well, here's good news for USR and for all those who fall into his camp. The study here isn't talking about books. In, in verse 2, the psalmist doesn't say, go to the library. Instead, he says, go to the laboratory. And there's, there's a big difference between studying the library and studying in the laboratory. Studying in the library is a call to read about God. Studying in the laboratory is a, is a call to experience and observe the works of God. Because isn't that what the laboratory is all about? It's about observation. It's about setting up some type of experiment, <clears throat> looking on it, and seeing what's, what's happening. It's noticing the changes. It's measuring the changes. The, the changes may be in growth, <clears throat> in length. Maybe it's getting longer or shorter. Maybe it's getting bigger or smaller. Maybe it's changing color. Maybe it's going up in smoke. Maybe there's some sort of texture change or state change. Maybe it's changing from solid to a liquid. Or maybe it's some temperature change. And, and, and you look at that, how it's changing over time. Whether it's changing slowly or, or rapidly. And, and perhaps your observation is even that nothing happened, right? It, it just, just nothing happened there. But that's the laboratory. 
It's, it's some sort of experiment, some sort of thing that you're just watching and seeing how it is. And that's how the psalmist is calling us to do this morning. Observe the world around us and take note of how it is that God is, is working. And then Psalm 111, I think in context, says let's, let's draw this out and, and let's, let's see those ways and, and show those wonderful ways and give testimony to the ways in which God is working in our lives. Now, that doesn't discount books, okay? It doesn't discount the Bible, because the Bible helps us to to stir to stirs us to evaluate the world rightly, um, helps us to understand the way that God works in our lives. In fact, I would just say this: that the best testimonies often are those that that begin with the Bible, some sort of verse, then some sort of life application of God working in your life or in the life of others, right? Where you, you tie God's word with the, the works of God and gives an interpretation to that and comes together in a, in a God-honoring way. And, and, and I think even from 3, three through 10, what, what the psalmist is giving us is just examples of, of how to do that. So in verses 3 and 4, we see, we see creation and, and just its, its effect upon our lives. And, and here's, here's maybe a uh, a way in which he could give testimony, right? Verse 3 says, Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. So a testimony that might, might be of observing his work, and, uh, and it's maybe you're outside, and you, um, you're taking the garbage cans in, and it's dark, and, and you know during, during the, the cold winter months how much clearer the stars are around here. And you, and, and you look at the stars, and, and you look up and see, and, and you can see them with, with crystal clarity. And um, right, you, you're, you're just struck again with the, the creative beauty of God, knowing how far away those stars are, and, and how big they are, and, and how long they burn, how hot they burn, and that you can see them in this night sky. And it tells you how... Thinking, think of those, right? Psalm 8-1, which you've memorized, comes into your mind. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory above the heavens. And, and as you see the stars, and, and as you think about how far away and how big they are, God's glory is above them, right? There's some sense where it's, it's beyond there. And you're, you're thanking the Lord that just this is something I learned this week. I saw this week. I really reflected upon just how, how big this universe is, but how much bigger the glory of God is and how he doesn't squash us like a bug. Instead, he redeems us by his grace. As verse 4 says, he's caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. And speaking about God's mercy to you, despite your sin, God continues to show grace and mercy. Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he remove our transgression from us. And so thank the Lord for how the, the creation, but God's glory is even as high as that is God's mercy is to us. And bringing some sort of God-centered testimony like that, that, that sees the world, that, that studies it, that thinks about the stars, that gets struck on it, filters it through God's word, and brings it to the congregation in public thanks to God. That's a great testimony. That's the sort of testimony we'd love to hear next week. Focusing on God's creation, the, the, the way in which the, the world is drawing you in, whether it's stars in the night sky, or whether that's the eagle flying in the day sky. Whether that's the beauty of the snow and the whiteness of it, if, if snow can be beautiful, can it? I hope it can sometimes, right? The beauty of the snow and thinking of the cleansing of sin. 
Or, or maybe the, the fractals on the frozen ice of the pond stirs you in worship and thanks to the Lord. Or, or, or the school you did with your, your child in some science experiment which showed you some things you never knew before. All these sorts of things are good fodder for testimony. You just see the world and the wonders of the world around you. Verse 5, right here, here's another category for, um, for testimony. It's provision. And another way that we can give thanks is by talking about God's provision. It says in verse 5, He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. And this is really a, a, an easy way in which to give a testimony of God for ways in which God has provided for you. I know there's some of you who faced financial hardship even this year, but God was gracious. Gracious in lots of different ways. Maybe He was gracious in uh, providing for you through the kindness of a friend or a relative. Or through some ex- unexpected bonus at work. Or some raise that you got. Um, maybe through securing some sort of large job that you bid. Or, or, or maybe through some gift that you received unexpectedly. Or maybe God even provided, not only just in financial ways, but even provided a, a new friend in your loneliness. Or, or, or something else along those lines of just God providing exactly what you need. All right? It's some, some confusion, right? And someone came along and, and showed you the way and really helped you. It's a messenger from God to, to help. And all those sorts of things are good reason to give thanks to the Lord. How about verse 6? Here's another category. We just might look, just say, I'm going to say power. Verse 6, he has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. And, and I think in context here with the psalmist, he's probably talking about Israel. Because he's talking there about uh, giving them the inheritance of the nations. And so thinking back about what God did with Egypt and how he, he sent these plagues upon Egypt to rescue Israel out of the slavery in Egypt, right? Changing the water in the Nile to blood, and bringing the frogs and gnats and swarms of insects and removing them all, right, at Moses' command, right? When, when Moses leaves Pharaoh's presence and, and sends forth his, his rod, right? They all leave. All these little animals and bugs leave. It's the power of God. Or the pestilence on the livestock, or the boils on the people, or the hail on the land, or the darkness in the sky. Every one of these plagues came and went at the summons of Moses at the direction of the Lord. That is the power of God. And finally, at the death of the firstborn, which is the very thing that struck into Pharaoh's heart, softened his heart, let the people go from slavery in Egypt. But that, that's only half the story, because that's just getting out. And you can reflect and think about the stories of, of going in, when God's works were done in conquering Canaan, when the, the water of the Jordan receded, when the, the people put their toes in the water so they could cross over, and, and how Jer- Jericho's walls fell down after they'd encircled it for seven days. And how in the valley of Ijalon, the, the sun stood still so that the Israelites could have that little extra time. Momentum was on that side. And, and the sun going down would have been like calling a time out and destroy the momentum. And God kept the sun up so that Israel, with their momentum, could destroy the nation before them, God, God did all of this to give them their land as an inheritance, according to what He had promised. Exactly like verse six says, and, that, and that's a category that you can you can kind of keep in mind as you think about a, a testimony to give on Sunday. Just the, the power of God, just ways in which God has worked in in your life, and really struck here in verse six how it may be an old story in your life that you want to tell. 
a story that's so good it bears repeating. Because of any story in the Old Testament that's told over and over and over again, it's the story of God's working to redeem people from Egypt. And how many times is the power of God told that same story over and over and over and over again? Giving glory to God for power in your life or something that you have seen in which God has worked unmistakably. Well, verses 7 and 8 give another category. Just speak of faithfulness. That's what I'm calling it. Verse 7 and 8. The, the works of His hands are faithful and just. All His precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. Now, these sorts of testimonies may not be the most... Uh, most glamorous or the most exciting. I mean, to stand up and say, nothing's changed. Because God is still on His throne and He has been faithful to us. But that's the point. Nothing's changed. God has proved Himself to be faithful. He's provided financially. He's met all our needs. In fact, He's given us abundance so we're in a position to give and be more blessed, because it's more blessed to give than to receive. He's always extended mercy, not judged me for my sins, given me a righteousness in Christ that I don't deserve. I'm thankful to the Lord. I'm thankful for His faithfulness in my life. As Psalm 92 verse 1 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Just God's steadfast love is His covenant, faithful fidelity and His faithfulness at night to just continue to keep us through the day. And just day after day after day, my testimony is that God has continued to show Himself good and faithful in my life. That testimony is a wonderful testimony to hear. Particularly, though, when you think about the faithfulness of God, oftentimes you combine that with some hard times. When, when, when our life is hard and we continue to say, but God is faithful, that is immensely glorifying to him. I, I um, met, met somebody yesterday. I have a, have a friend at, at Poole who I, who I helped move because he needed help in moving. And he had another friend who, who was a Christian who's gone through some very, very difficult times. And when he found out that I was a pastor, he sort of just unloaded on me. Um, just told me of the difficult times that he has had. And it's interesting that some of the things he said at the end, kind of after he goes through some of the difficulties, and he probably told me for 10, 15 minutes, something like that. He just And I was in the cold. I was like, okay, let's go on. But, but he was telling me, I was sympathizing with him of hardship. At, at the end, he said, you know, I know God's up to something, but I don't know what. I, I know he's got a plan. But I don't see that plan. I'm not sure what it is. And um, in my wisdom, I just try to say, well, Job never knew the plan either. He never knew all that was happening behind the scenes. And, and that was an encouragement, a comfort to this gentleman. But, but just encouraging the faithfulness, right? If things are be going well, you talk about the faithfulness of God. Or, or going through some hard time, when you lift up and just say the faithfulness of God, that's a good testimony for all of us to hear. Another category, verse 9, speaks about redemption. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Now, really, of all things to be thankful for, perhaps the greatest reason in our life to give thanks for God is for salvation that he has given and provided. I mean, this, this, this is a thankfulness testimony that ought, ought to be on all of our lips, those of us who know and love Jesus 
and have found forgiveness in him. To, to tell us about how God brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And, and how God opened our eyes to see the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Christ. How God made us alive to spiritual things, dead as we were in our sins, how He granted us faith and repentance, and, and how He's given us new life. He has, he has caused us to be born again, as First Peter said. And the story of God, how God has done this in your life, it bears repeating. Many of us have a testimony of that, how we were in darkness, and how we were walking in our sin, in our life before Christ, and, and the circumstance of, of what it is that God did in the midst of our life to change us and transform us. And how as a result of that, God has, has transformed us. And I know many of you could talk for a long time about God's salvation in your life. But be warned, right? If, if you do that, you'll take everyone's time next week. And um, I'm not sure how we'll deal with that. But, but just have a few minutes. And even you give a few-minute testimony like this of, of even my own life about, you know, God's been faithful to me. How I grew up in a... In a somewhat religious home, loosely religious, certainly moral home. Um, did a lot of church stuff, but was very ignorant until I, I heard someone open up. John MacArthur actually was at a, a tent meeting. He opened up Matthew chapter 7 and just spoke about how many people who claim to be Christians aren't. Many people say to me, Lord, Lord, let me enter your kingdom of heaven. And he will, he will cast them aside and says, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. But, and, and they were doing like miraculous things, signs and wonders and prophesying and casting out demons. And God said, no, I never knew you. And so really that scared me because I never heard that being talked about in church. Really, God then stirred my heart to, to really just pursue his word, where then I really understood the gospel of Christ dying for me and the transformation of that. Just all that gave me an insatiable desire for his word, went off to seminary, and God, by his grace, took me there, and, and by his grace, it brought me into ministry and what, what's happened here at Rock Valley Bible Church. That, that's just God's grace. That's my testimony. I'm thankful to God for the way that I, I just didn't continue then in that lukewarm church the rest of my life. How God brought the right people at the right time just so I can hear the word. And God, by his grace, changed me, transformed me. And I, I'm just thankful to God for that. that. That's a typical testimony, something that most all of you can share. Sort of testimony needs to be on your lips all the time because people are going to ask you. I know I've been asked that many times. So tell me about, uh, particularly, why, why did you leave IT and go into pastoring? And I just say, well, let me tell you. I grew up in this lukewarm church, right? And I just, whatever, three-minute, four-minute, five-minute testimony, two-minute testimony, and really an opportunity for you to give thanks to God for that. Well, we come to our, our last verse, verse 10. Don't really have a characteristic about this, but because I think it really summarizes up everything. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding his praise endures forever. You think about Psalm 111. It's all about God. It's all about Him and His His majesty and His greatness and His glory for all the works that He has done. And start off by saying, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and in the congregation. And I think that it ends with this. is The fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom. You want to practice it. If you want to practice the fear of the Lord, then be one who gives testimony. Okay. Now, I'm not saying if you don't give a testimony next week, you're not fearing the Lord, but I think it is a practical application. If you genuinely fear the Lord, you'll want to tell others. You want to speak thanks and lift high his name because, indeed, his praise endures forever. Well, I'm looking forward to, 
next week and just really how how God stirs your heart in in some ways. Um, I know uh, a couple years ago, one of the things we did at our Thanksgiving meal is that we gave people um, maple leaves and we encouraged them to write thankfulness on there. And the idea was we're going to send this back to people. It's been maybe four or five years. Everyone who was at Thanksgiving at our house, just write this down, spend five minutes just writing it out, and we'll send it back to you. And so maybe at some point, maybe we'll go to Thanksgiving, we'll hand these back uh, to people this year to see how, how they are. And uh, this was just studying how they're thankful. And some of these things are, are trivial. You know, this is this is one cousin says this, I'm thankful for snow, I'm Thankful for education, for volleyball. Um, thankful for health, living in America. Um, here, here's another one. Um, thankful for opportunities that I, I have been given. Uh, here's a cousin. Thankful for my wife, ability to minister to people. Um, thankful for generosity of others, family and friends. Um, thankful for school, church, no one's hurt. Um, uh, so just you might want to do that as your family, maybe sitting down this week, maybe take five minutes, maybe take 10 minutes to really think through, okay, so if I come on Sunday, what, what might I say? And I would like nothing more than to say, okay, Ryan is leading the service. Ryan, we, we got, we really got to finish. I know we're having a good time. We're, but it's time to finish and just have many of you just, just bubbling and wanting to give testimony of, of thanks to God. So that's my hope. My prayer and Psalm 111 in those different categories. Hopefully that will guide you as you think about something you might, you might want to share. So let's pray. Thank the Lord. Father, we are thankful for your works that you work in our lives. Oh Lord, if we truly knew how, how deep your fingers extended into our lives, we would realize how every good thing and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shifting shadow God, how every good thing that we receive is, is really a gift from your hand. And we have received so much, and we have so much in which to be thankful. And Father, I, I would pray for this week that you might have a study this week. Study your, your universe, your world, our social sphere, our family, our home, our things that we have, our possessions, our health, our hope. Christ, all that you have given to us. Help us to distill those things down. God, give us a verse or two that you really might strike us with this week. That we would come with a, a heart ready to share as the psalmist did. Giving thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. So bless our week this week as we study, as we look and th- observe and think, and, and bless our time next Sunday as we have opportunity to, to share and really be an encouragement to those around us. Thank you for this opportunity in this smaller church we have in which to, to share these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.